Welcome back to the Locked In with Ian Bick podcast. On today's episode, I have Andrew Hager here to tell his story of addiction, of crime, of prison, to hear everything he's been through in his life. Guys, you guys are going to love this episode. I had the honor and the pleasure of meeting Andrew when I was giving a speech in Pensacola, Florida. I sit with him on the National Reentry Association for Professionals board, and this guy He's enthusiastic, he's energetic, and he's here to inspire change in the world. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. Thank you guys for all the love and support you give us week after week for making us a top 200 podcast in the world for society and culture. The show is growing day after day, and it wouldn't be here the way it is without you guys. Thank you guys again. Make sure you guys tune in, leave us a like, a comment, a subscribe on YouTube, or if you're listening to this on our audio streaming platforms, leave us a review. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with the one, the only, Andrew Hager. Andrew Hager, welcome to the show, man. I- I'm putting you on the hot seat right now. I just want you to know I've been hyping you up to the guys for weeks. Bryce met you in Pensacola when I was there for the first time meeting you. Um, but now you're on the show and I hyped you up to the audience oh, in the God. intro we did earlier, saying how much energy you're going to bring to the show, how great you are, you know, all that love and energy pour out. I mean, you've accumulated like almost a million followers on Facebook because of that energy. So I'm excited to see it on the show today. Don't overthink it, man. Okay, I'm definitely not overthinking. <laughs> but no, it's a privilege and honor to be here with you, Ian, to see what you're doing and you know, uh, giving, get, letting people get their message out there. You know that we can recover, that we do, uh, we can turn things around, reentry. Yeah, and you do it in such a great way. Like I seen you speak in Pensacola, man. Like that was we just met for the first yeah, time a few yeah. months ago, and we really hit it off. And uh, I remember you approached me like you were you you didn't know if I'd like you or not. You're like, yeah, we followed you, but um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you, you and Jimmy refer to me as like a, at a different level. I'm like, guys, I'm just like, what are yeah. you? You know, you don't have to look at me any different. But we hit it off, we connected, and I promise you, we'd have you on the show. And here we are. You and know, here we so. are. And and again, what a privilege and honor. But no, when I did that, because I don't have a problem with getting the pom poms out for people, just seeing somebody. <laughs> you know, prospering in life, a young man such as yourself, see, because, uh, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You know, haters going to hate. I mean, we need those haters. Oh, Lord, <laughs> yeah. stop it. Uh, uh. Mm, I'm just saying. But no, man, what an honor and a privilege once again to be here with you today uh, to, to get a message out there because I was dealing with some some stuff I didn't know I was dealing with. You know, growing up, chaos wasn't chaos. Yeah. You so know, I, let's talk about that. Let's start at your childhood, man. Where are you from? What childhood like? And, and what are those young Andrew Hager years look like for you? Man, uh, you know, and that, that seemed to be the root of the problem. The little boy issues. You know, I grew up, uh, my grandparents raised me. I never knew my father. My mother uh, abandoned me. Uh, at six months old, she bounced, uh, got remarried. You know, like, again, my father died a month and a half before I was born, and my mother's mother and father took me in. I had two younger uncles already in the house. They were huffing paint out back, you know, already tattooing their face before it was a cool thing to do, you know, uh, and things of that nature, right? That's a lot, man. It's a lot, you know, and I, we would go, uh, my grandparents would take me to Goodwill boxes, and we weren't putting anything in them. We were taking, you know. Again, you know, just the things like that. 
I remember when Christmas, Conway and Loretta was playing. You know who that is? No. Won a whole lot of Decembers. Let's fall in on your face. Before my time, man. (laughs) Your Auburn hair is faded and silk. Anyway, yeah, man. So Christmas is good, right? The the tree's up. They're drinking. I'm six years old, right? The Christmas tree's up, and they're having a good time. And next thing I know, my grandmother done broke a fifth bottle and stabbed my grandfather through the gut. I'm talking, I'm I'm a little boy. Now we have the paramedics and the police there. Right. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm just a little boy. Right. Uh, these things aren't normal. I, I started visiting the penitentiary as a little boy to, to, your, to see your grandmother, to see my see my uncles and, yeah. and, and all. Yeah. You know, did your grandmother go to prison? For- uh, she didn't go to prison over that. And she had been locked up several times for uh, shoplifting, stealing guns and your so grandmother. forth. Granny you didn't know, play. You think grandparents, you don't you think innocent, you yeah, know, you yeah. don't think crime. Even if you're a young kid, you're thinking that the grandparent is so much older Maybe they did that, you know, 50 years ago, but we don't hear about it as grandchildren. Well, and again, chaos was a chaos, you know, uh, but I mean, she pulled it together. She got it together later on in life. You know, they they suffer from the disease of alcoholism. You can call it a disease or a choice, you know, which I didn't care at the time what you call it. I just wanted my grandparents because that was my safe haven, you know. Uh, and things like that. I grew up with a lot of verbal abuse. My grand, my grandfather would tell me I was a feeble-minded little dumb son of a bitch, you know. And I, and again, I'm a little boy, right? Yeah. And it did take effect, you know, things like that. And then I start school. My grandmother, I was her pride and joy. I was her baby boy. Now they had already got their lives together a little more, right? Uh, with the partying, with the drinking. Uh, she stopped drinking. She got a job with the, uh, you know, with the city. Uh, she was a janitor. Right. And uh, things like that. So um, what I, I lost track. Yeah, it happens. But no, you know, again, the little boy issues, the feeble minded little dumb son of a bitch. My grandfather said, but my grandmother, you know, would put me on the, on the school bus. When I first started school, you know, first grade, they put me in special ed because I couldn't read or write like the other kids. And that's, I started masking because I'm already feeling like less than. Yeah, how ver- did that make you feel? Abuse. It made me feel terrible. Yeah. You know, it made me feel like I wasn't good enough. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a kid, right? And, um, you know, going through that, so I started putting the mask on, the hee-hee-ha-ha. You know, and any attention was attention. So, you know, I, and, I, and, I had to, and I got to look at these things through all this process as the little boy. Um, were you bullied a lot, too, because you were in special ed classes? I was made fun of, yeah. I mean, kids, you know, even up until uh, middle school, you know, the bell ring, people changing classes. I was in the same class all day. My buddies rode by, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have to headbutt them, you know, hit them in their soup coolers. That kind of thing. What the peanuts? But you, you, you shouldn't have been in those classes, right? Uh, it- no, no. I mean, it, I wouldn't— no, I was in them for a reason, but, you know, I started to progress, you know what I mean? I started to do better. Um, things. That, my mother huffed paint, bro, and she, when I was when she was pregnant with me. And that had effects on I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm a walking, talking miracle. You better ask somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, you, we promised we were going to do that the whole interview. You're going to keep me laughing. I'm so sorry. Oh. No, no, I love the energy, man. That's great. I mean, I remember the first time hearing you speak, every other line was, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> Can I praise God with me? But no, man, and this is real because these little boy issues and feeling less than and not worthy. And, and, you know, I said I wouldn't do these things, man. And I started having kids at an early age. I had my first child, you know, I'm 16 years old. You know, I don't even, dude, I ain't got walking around since I have no job skills. I'm talking about the insanity, right? 
I'm being, you know, just nutty and a squirrel turd, you know, seeking everything outside of me to fix me, you know, with material things, with sex, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I started having kids, so I had my first kid at 16, and then I had my second kid at 17 by a different female, so there's two females, right? And and, and 19, I have my third child by another female. A year after that, I have another child, right? So I have I have four kids. Huh? And ain't raised none of them. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. How, I look here. I'm a coward. I don't know how to be a man. And, and I started. So I started stuffing this pain. Right. The only way I knew how I started going to jail at an early age. Right. I, I got I was put in alternative school. You know, uh, I was put in alternative school around 14, 15. And uh, then, you know, of course, like going through this process, my first obsession was the female. And again, not knowing, you know, again, trying to fix me outside of me. So I started like, I'm going to put her in the trunk. She don't want to be with you no more. What you mean? Oh, Lord. You're going to put the girl that hey, doesn't want to. She broke up with me. Hold so up. You put her in the trunk. Mm. What do you mean, girl? No, I didn't put her in the trunk. I thought about it. Uh -huh. There's no statute of limitations, man. What's going on? <laughs> what the... <laughs> Wait, so you start committing crime at 14 years old? Uh, yeah. Like I said, I got sent to alternative school. And, and you get this, you know, uh, you're no saint. Uh <laughs> Why are you throwing mm, stones, living in a glass house over there? Mm, I didn't talk to your daddy. Mm. Anyway, we, uh, like I said, man, you know, and, and I started doing dope, man. I started, see, I, I lived in a neighborhood where, where it was so easy to get to cop, right? Yeah. The neighborhood I'm from, is, it was, you know, it was Irishtown. We were in Election Herald Leader, which is a big newspaper around Fayette County up in Kentucky, and we were labeled as white trash. That's when you could get away with those kind of things. Like I said, I'm 51. So back then you could write whatever, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's whatever. And, you know, just going through these things, man, just chaos was a chaos. I saw a guy get murdered when I was 13. I was riding a bicycle and, uh, up on Willard Street from where I'm from, the neighborhood. I saw a guy get shot and die. Are you doing drugs at this age, too? Uh, at this age, I'm, I'm drinking a little bit with my buddies, you know what we do, and, and smoking weed, things like, of that nature. Nothing crazy, just nothing, normal? Yeah. Just, just, you know, what kids do, I guess. I don't know. Is it I mean, normal? I, I think it's pretty standard for kids to dabble. Yeah, and to I mean, dabble. Maybe not dabble. so much in alcohol. I mean, I think we drink at parties, but not like a full-on right. alcoholism. alcoholism. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, well, and here's the thing. It was so easy for me to cop, right? Uh, I had a neighbor live behind me, and uh, I'd rest the soap, and he knew I could get, get, you know, powder. He knew I could get coke and things that I had before the, you know, crack hit real big. And I started, you know, uh, copping coke for him, and he started, uh, he started, we started shooting up with this dude. You know what I mean? I'm 16, 15, 16 at the time. You know, I've already had my first kid, and I didn't even talk well, to the lady after that. You had a kid at 16 years old. Yes. Andrew. Yeah. That's yeah, I didn't have it. I helped. Yeah. How creative. <laughs> so no one's giving you like the talk of like. No, I didn't have any of that. The birds and the bees and hey, if you don't pull out, this happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, none you, of that. You can't even be an active father at that age, right? No, no. I mean, I didn't have walking around since. You know, I'm still, I, I don't know how to live, man. I'm still seeking happiness outside of me. I'm, I'm trying to fix me outside of me with material things. Uh, females' attention, right? But you're causing more destruction while more trying to fix yourself. More destruction. So then the child support starts with that. So I start shooting coke with the neighbor uh, again, you know, because I, you know, I can cop and I wouldn't think about things. And you know, and again, like I told you, at 16, at 17, I had another kid by another female. 
Uh, you know, I have my daughter, and we'll talk about that. So now I got two two kids, man, um, that don't have a father. What are you doing for work? I'm not. You're not working. You're just I'm having kids and so and doing drugs, running around just you know selling some dime bags. You know what I mean? And you know just the insanity. And where what are the kids' mothers? Are they stable parents, or are these um, kids coming into the world in foster care or something? The, you know, my oldest son, which he's in prison, we'll talk about that. His mother was pretty stable at the time and, and you know, uh, did the best she could. You know what I'm saying? And uh, actually, it was my cousin's uh, girl. My cousin had a baby by her, and he asked me to take her home one day until she got me and her. Uh, Wait, your cousin? <laughs> it's not. So is this incest or? No, no, she wasn't my. Here he goes. I think you just, it was said, my you just said cousin. It was my cousin's girlfriend at the time. So you stole the cousin's girlfriend. I didn't mean to. What do you mean you didn't mean to? It takes two to tango. Bro, she's you. like, you don't got to take me straight home. And I'm like, where you want to go? She said, wherever you want to go. Oh, mm. man. I didn't know you had this player side oh, to you, man. Player, player. What so up, though? You're, you're so innocent in the glass house over there. <laughs> you know, a, you're the one that's I'm surprised. just a boy, right? But no, Ian, man, like, for real, you know, just like, uh, you know, and, and as, it, as it progressed, man, you know, my son, man, I remember so many times my son, he was five, you know, and, and his brother, Justice, is about my third, you know, the, the, their mother, you know, the third female, bro. So there's three different females. Three different kids. And and four. But when's it, when do you have your fourth kid? Uh, uh, around 20, 21, 22. That's a lot of kids by the time you're there. Yeah, young. no kidding, bro, right? Wow. It's a lot. And not, you know, so so here it is when I did come around. Uh, when when their mother would allow me, I would take them shoplifting. You took your kid shoplifting. Yeah, they they would think they were going to get ice cream, right? And of course, they would get the ice cream. I'm a full blown crack monster by now. You know what I mean? They would think they're going to get this ice cream, and I'm going taking them shoplifting. And uh, the insanity way of my thinking, full blown rock monster at this time, right? And they, you know, my insanity was, oh, I'm teaching them some job skills. You know, I'm teaching them how to live off the land. So mm. you got to break this down. You take your kids for ice cream and then you go shoplifting. How does this work? Where are you guys going? They didn't go get the ice cream because there was no money for ice cream. We went shoplifting and we sold the stuff that I uh, sold. Then we went and copped dope. And then I would go back to one of these uh, gas stations and steal ice cream and give them to them. And they saw this, you know, again, you know, they, they, that's how it was. And, and Jordan would say he was five or, or six at the time. Ask his mother, why doesn't my father love me? Bro, why doesn't my father love me? You know, because a fish, a fish teaches a fish how to swim, a bird teaches a bird how to fly. Me as a man, I'm supposed to teach my kids, my sons, my daughters, how to be productive members of society, to be respectful, to get respect. They didn't have a snowball's chance in a microwave messing with a daddy like me. I had to look at these things, right? As time went on, I started using with my kids, man. The kids are using too? Yes. How old are I'm they? I'm talking when? about a vicious cycle, man. I'm talking about generational curses. Jordan pretty much started the same age. Um, he started smoking weed and then the, the Ren Ren and whoop, 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 you know, all the, the fake, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, as it progressed, uh, he was 17. He started using the, the 30s, the Oxycontin 30s, that, you know, the pill mill was going on. They called us pillbillies going to Florida, the whole, you know what I mean? And uh, he got real heavy on those. So, of course, what I taught him, right? Um, he started stealing, and uh, 
we were dope sick one day and we're up on Red Mile Road over in Lexington and uh, we're in a little Chevette and of course we both got the Obama phones, you know what I mean? The little, <laughs> where they put the time on them once a month. Yeah, <laughs> so we it to win it. Mm, Lord have mercy, Jesus. So we're riding and we're dope sick, man. We're fiending, right? And Jordan's upset and he's like, pull over, let me out. So I pull over and let him out. We're in an 87 Chevette. There's no insurance. The tags are dead. So I done stole some tags off a of Cadillac at this uh, this motel, hotel, off a of brand new cat. Come on, what the, you know, I'm talking insanity, right? And uh, I get down the road, five, ten minutes down the road. The, the phone rings. It's my son. Daddy, come pick me up. I'm talking about, man, be it. You know, with the greatest willpower and the most sincere desire to stop using dope, man, I could not stop. And I created this. So I turn around to pick my son up, and I, and uh, he gets over in some bushes, and he pick, he pulls out, you know, a couple laptops, some iPads, you know, just pulling all the stuff where he done broke into a house. Do you know what I asked my son in? What do you ask him? I said, did you wear gloves? Were there any cameras? That's not normal. Andrew, this this whole thing's heartbreaking, man. It, it really is, and it gets worse because it's not normal. Again, the insanity, not knowing, you know, again, not seeing this. Do you think this all stems from your mom using while you were in her stomach and it went before she even has you? No, I, don't, I, I can't. I wouldn't say that. I think it stems from uh, chaos not being chaos, that this was a normal way of life. I started visiting penitentiaries. And, of course, I've been locked up when my kids were little. Then I want them to come see me. Now I miss them. You know, and I'd ask their mothers, to, you know, will you bring, will you bring the kids to come see me? But you didn't choose that. Uh, maybe later on you did, but as a kid, you didn't choose that. You didn't choose to live with your grandparents. You didn't choose to be exposed to that. And they weren't bad people. I was very fortunate. My grandparents actually took me in once they got sober. But you they know, had their demons, they too. They had their demons. You know, I'm talking about the things I remember. You know, because later on in life, I was my granny's pride and joy as a baby boy, right? I watched my grandfather. I'm coming over to Schoolhouse Hill, and he's laid out in the side yard where paramedics were him. Now, he'd been sober for 10, 15 years, a good man. I used his water, his electric, I ate his groceries. I didn't stop. This man was the only father I know. How many times do you think you were arrested and put in jail in your teenage years? Oh, man. Um Teenage, not so much. When I hit 18, it was on and popping. And this is mostly for shoplifting? Yeah. Um, uh, deadbeat child support. Oh, they were locking yeah. you up for child support. Child support. support um, child support, trafficking, you know, things like that. Did all of your kids, were your kids aware that they each, that they were related, but they each had separate uh, mothers in a way? Yeah, yeah. They uh, they, they all knew they had uh, brothers and sisters that, you know, with different mothers. So they could process that yeah, at least. Yeah, they, they could. They could. But, you know, like. Did, well, did you love them at that point in time? Man, I didn't even love myself. Yeah, that, that's I didn't tough. even know what love was. And there was no, uh, you know, no affection shown. Like, now my grandparents, like I said, they, they started doing a lot better. And, and I knew they loved me. So with my grandmother, like I said, she was a janitor. All these years, you know, she she put me on the school bus, you know, did the best she could with, you know, what she had. And I remember, see, I'm, like I said, I'm full-blown addict, man. I'm off the chain, right? This woman raised me. Huh? I was her pride and joy. I was her baby boy at that time in my life, the only woman that I ever truly loved. Mm -hmm. Do you think that lack of love for your kids has affected them as they've gotten oh, older? Oh, yeah, it caused a lot of trauma. We'll get to that. I mean, I did. You know, it caused a lot of trauma. 
Well, and I'm going to get back to my grandmother real quick. So I, after my grandfather, he passed away that day that I didn't stop, and I didn't go to this man's funeral who raised me to the best of his ability. You know, I'm not painting them out to be bad people. They just suffer from the same thing I do, you know. Um, so I go into the house. It's like 3 in the morning. My grandfather had been passed away for probably six months or so, and my grandmother smoked, and I, I sneak into the house like 3 in the morning. I ain't washed. I ain't took a bath, ass stinking. I've been up on dope, crack, you know, dirty. And I go in, and uh, she's asleep in her bed, but she'd been smoking. She smoked the Rail 100s, and it was it, it was still lit, and it was burning a hole in the mattress, like three, you know, it, it was burning. The mattress was a hole in it, whoop, whoop. And I go in, being the good grandson I am, and get a cup of water and put the fire out. But I didn't wake her up. She's breathing. I went and found her purse and stole all of her money. Now, don't mind it, she's on a fixed income. She's old. She's frail, bro. I stole every penny she had and left. And me being the addict that I am, the good grandson, I go back three days later. My grandmother crying. Don't you love me, Andrew? Don't you love me? What have I done for you to do this? Not realizing that I have a condition that don't give a shit about her. It don't give a shit about my kids that if I can't muster anything up to stop this, because I'm gone. There's nothing there. It's just a shell of a man that's only purpose in life is to get more dope. I created this. And her crying, please, please, I'll find a way to eat, Andrew. Please just get some help. Now, I mind you, this woman raised me, buddy, made sure I had school clothes, made sure I had bath water, you know what I mean? Made sure I had food. And to do that to her. You're talking about shame and guilt. And later on, like I told you, Jordan, why don't my mom, why don't my daddy love me? And I'm taking them shoplifting and this and that. And we go on and we're using together. So they catch Jordan on a B&E and he's 18 now and they lock him up. See, I was on Clark Street, the old jail. Many, many times from flagrant non-support, habitual offender, habitual shoplifter, right? 365 counting time ain't no punk because you sat right there in that jail cell for 365. Lord, <laughs> the old jail, Clark Street. In that process, they're building a new jail. Why were they building that new jail, man? They was building it for my kids. See, I created this. I'm not confused. My granddaughters, Jordan was like me. He started having children early, 15, 16 years old. Probably she's four years old, right? And my other granddaughter's over at the hospital, just born Raylan. CPS stuff's in and rescues Briley because me, Jordan, and their mother are using. Comes in four years old, y'all. Blonde hair, blue eyes, Briley. CPS picks her up. She's kicking and screaming. Looking at me, Papa, save me. Man, I couldn't even save myself. You know? It gets so deep. See, we, we downplay it. We don't want to look. See, I feel bad about all this stuff I've done, but have I dug deep enough to see the trauma that I've created? And I had to dig, man. So here's what happens. They took Briley. She was rescued by CPS, doing for her what we couldn't do. And, and Jordan winds up, like I said, getting out, locked up for, for some B&Es. So he's over in the new jail, right? This is years later. And uh, he's over in the new jail, man, looking at real time. He just turned 18, man. He's a kid. You know what that feels like? 
and never no love from me. I told y'all what kind of father I was. So I wind up getting locked up on a different charge. See, Pitt County, they built a new jail and it holds uh, 1,500. It's 80 men to a unit, right? 80 men to a unit. And Jordan was in unit at five. And I go in and I, it's a program pod. They have a 12 step program and they have a religious pod. They have a GED pod. They have a reentry pod. And of course, I'm a frequent flyer. So most of the COs know me and they've gotten promotions and stuff. So I put in for a GED. So I can be in there with my son. Huh? A father and a son in prison. I didn't see anything wrong with that. And how old are you when he's 18? And when he's 18, oh, let me, you don't got to do the math. I told you it's in special ed. You can quit. <laughs> okay, so you're in, your th you're in your 30s. Right. So here we are, right? And you, a father and a son are in prison. I'm, in, I'm around 40 at this time. And you didn't even, you couldn't support him through the legal process because you no. are going through your own legal shit. Well, if I get real honest, because I knew his mama was going to put money on his books. So if you struggled so much financially, these, your kids and their grandkids must have been even worse financially. Well, yeah. I mean, for real. They know, know nothing but poverty. Like Poverty. And here's what it, you know, so in that, in that whole sense, bro, like. I'm locked up with my son. I go in there, I'm dope sick. Anybody coming off opiates knows I'm shitting on myself. I, I can't sleep. My leg, you know, the restless legs, the whole nine. And Jordan's done been in there a while. And I, I get in there and I'm in the unit. And I got my, my jumpsuit on backwards. Uh, this crazy. So here's my son that I haven't done anything for to be a father. Gets me up to walk the loop. Makes me eat, Right. Be, you know what I mean, and, and and things like that, and there we are locked up. I start to get better. About the seventeenth, eighteenth day, I can finally sleep because I'm, I'm detoxing in jail. You don't get no comfort meds in fat cat. They don't give you no comfort meds. You ain't getting none of that. You know what I mean? And feel the pain to heal the pain. And um, so at this time, I'm and I didn't tell you the story. I'm facing a PFO one, a persistent felony offender, automatic ten. Uh, I made a wrong turn. I was out going to cop some dope three in the morning. Like I said, I've been up seven days uh, and uh, made a wrong turn. And what had happened, the police, somebody had broken TGI Fridays off Nicholasville Road, and I made a wrong turn right into it. It was in February, and there was snow on the ground, and I was in this little Ford Ranger. It was in my truck, and it had one of those Walmart safes on the back. And uh, where some, you know, you go to the rich neighborhoods and pick up the track, you know, what you can say. Anyway, so um, they pulled me out of the truck. I looked apart, dude. I've been on dope. I'm going to cop. They took my shoes off. My feet don't fit. You know what I mean? Took my coat off. I'm out in the cold. Uh, but they're going to arrest me for reckless driving, no insurance, and, uh, you know, all that stuff. And that's all they got because I didn't break in there. They saw the safe, was it? The TGI safe. Well, you whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, but Officer Fetco said, uh, do you have anything on your person that's going to poke, stick, or harm me? And I said, no, ma'am. He said, you call me sir, or you call me Sergeant Fetco. I said, okay, honey. And now he's pissed. You know what I mean? And because I had the little kangaroo pouch still on, and I said, well, I'm job security. You need to talk to me a little better, all that good stuff, because I think I'm funny. But he sticks his hand into the kangaroo pouch, and I had a syringe in there. Uh, without a cap on it with blood in it that I'd been using to shoot up. I had blood running down my arms where I'd been shooting up. And this officer that protects your family, my family, sticks his hand in there and and the needle pokes him and draws blood. 
So I got hit for a third-degree assault on a police officer. Now, I'm handcuffed, mind you. And uh, they came back and said, you know, hit me with a PFO-1, persistent felony offender, because that's all I know. See, I get comfortable in there, Ian. I go rest up. Would you, you know? rather be in prison at that time period when you're an addict? Uh, heck no. I want to get out and get high. You know, uh, the whole thing was, you know, I've had charges uh, wanting endangerment with motor vehicles because of my addiction. Um, well, my choice is, you know, I want to run over somebody because, you know, it's insanity. But so that, you know, there's the PFO-1, and so they offer me 10 years. Do you take it? No. I'm taking it to trial. You with, go to trial. I go to trial with legal aid lawyers. I didn't have no paid attorney. I mean, I burned every bridge, bro. You know, and I start hustling newcomers. You know, I start hustling the fish. Uh, a fella come in. He was brand new, first time locked up. And me and Jordan were in the same cell. You know, I'm, I'm better now. Like they I, sold you guys up together. Yes, we were. It was a big unit. Eighty. He was over here. I was across the street. So I'm waking up, seeing my son. We're talking. You know, uh, first time we ever bonded. In prison, the and, first time a father and son ever bonded. It was a, it was county waiting to waiting to go to trial. Are you guys you having know, any emotional conversations? Yes, very much so. You know, again, you know. Are you, was, are you apologizing? I, not at that time because I'm still not in my right mind. But we're, you know, he's talking about, you know, when he gets out, he wants to do this and wish I would get myself together, you know, and things like that. Um, and, we, you know, we're doing it like that. Uh, but so he gets granted um he keeps doing it. He's doing the program, and he's got Judge Corsoni looking at the five years, and, and he gets it probated with uh, the completion of the the Hope Center on the outside. So he gets a blessing, and uh, I'm waiting to go to trial, and I haven't told you about my other son. You know, Justice, a good kid, been buying his own school clothes since he's 13. He, uh, he shows up at my trial, right? Because, see, I can wear regular, you know, you can wear your regular clothes. And what I had in my property had blood on them, rips on them, cigarette burns on them. Real deal junkie, man. And my son that I have harmed, who's got some sense, see, one or two things happen with this process. People won't dope with their kids. They either despise drugs and alcohol or they follow your footsteps. So my son, Justice, had uh, been blessed by being around one of my uncles on my father's side, which I wasn't around much growing up because I didn't know him. But uh, he was already buying his own school clothes at 13. At this time, he's 16. And he shows up at the courthouse and brings me a new pair of khakis, a pair of dress slippers, and a, and a nice button down so I can wear it in the court that day during the trial. And, you, you know, it's just like you see on TV. There's 13 of them. They have an alternate in case one of them falls out. <laughs> You never know. Uh, but I, my, my, my illegal aide was Nicole Baldridge, and she was pregnant at the time, real emotional and, and things like my son sat in that courtroom, Justice. And I, I watched him, you know, he'd tear up because it was, it was tough. You know, they're telling, you know, they're playing the footage and me just, you know, real piece of work. And they weren't, they weren't coming off 10 years. At that time, I had accumulated 14 months incarceration in county waiting to go to trial, and of course, uh, man, like, still harming people, man. Was there access to drugs in the county jail? Uh, yeah. And yeah. so you were actively doing drugs? I, I was not. Okay, so um, you're getting clean by this point. I'm starting to get a piece of uh, some mind back, like, man, you know, because uh, Carlton Robinson, he's a, 
He's in Narcotics Anonymous. I broke his anonymity. He's going to have to be all right. But that is 2023. Uh, the man looked at me and said, do you love your kids? He was a program director where my son was in the program. And uh, I got mad. Hell yeah, I love my kids. What kind of dumbass question is that? It was a damn good question. I mean, you could have just been saying you did that out of, because that's what's normal. A parent loves their kid. That's a normal statement. But did you actually genuinely love them? Mm, that's what he said. He says, well, your actions show different. And that registered, just in that moment, it really registered. Like, what? My actions do show that I don't give a shit. So I'm going to trial. There's, you know... Like I said, man, this is so real, like, just the pain, you know, that I've caused, the trauma that I have created, the insanity, man, the people I've harmed. All this stuff was, well, I was 42 years old, and I'm still in here hustling fish, you know, like the, the one guy that comes in, I, I learn about he's brand new, first time in jail, find out his dad's a plastic surgeon, and he's got all this money, you know what I mean, just hustling, right? Uh, the guards come at the dudes like, man, they're trying to get me for extortion. You know, just the insanity. They're still hustling. How would you hustle these guys in prison and make money off of them? I would just do it. I knew he was a fish, found out his dad was a plastic surgeon, and he's locked up on some— they, it, the charges are still state, but they may go fed because it was a lot of meth and a lot of cash. The only thing saving there was no firearms. And I was like, oh, he's new. Let me get under him. You know, treat him not, you know what I mean? Just treat him nice. Next thing I know, he's like, do you want anything? Yo, you commissary, here's how you do that. You know, here's how you Slide do canteen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, plus they got hot cart, cold cart coming. The next but thing you I, do it in an innocent way. Yeah. Just so innocent. you're not like taking a shank, you know, No, no, I'm not. I'm going to put, a, you know, punch him in his soup coolers and nothing. That ain't no way to treat people, man. If you, so you were never violent in no, prison? No, no, I'm not. No, never, ever. You, you were just an addict that was trying to get his next fix. Just a dope fiend junkie, man. It couldn't stay out of there. So what happens at trial? Do you lose? Do you win? Uh, it comes back, like I said, man, um, you know, assault is with the intent to harm somebody. It wasn't like I had that needle on my person without a cap on it. You know, I set out to drive, oh, they're going to pull me over, and this police going to poke himself. Nicole Baldridge was a beast. She was so emotional. She's pregnant anyway, uh, a lot of tears. And, uh, you know, uh, Judge Corsoni says, has the jury reached a verdict? And they put me on the stand. They usually don't do that, but my she decided to put me on the stand. They prepped me. I thought I was OJ because they came in there. They came into the county two weeks in a row. I mean, you know what I mean? Prepping me. And uh, the uh, the prosecutor said, Mr. Hager, I have one question for you. Why are we here today? And see, I started to get a sound mind. I was like, well, we're here today because I'm a junkie. I had a needle on my person without a cap on it when I shouldn't have had. And I left it at that. So... They go and they uh, liberate. Is that, did I say it right? Deliberate. De is it deliberate? Yeah, deliberate. Not liberate. Not liberate. That's what I said. <laughs> I'm tired of this. <laughs> so, so they go back in, bro. They go back in and- uh, To liberate. Yeah, whatever they was doing. <laughs> and they're gone for like, you know, not long, maybe three, four hours, right? Wasn't nothing major. And they, they took lunch and everything and they come back in. And this is wild, y'all, because I'm getting ready. I could get 10 years for being a junkie. He 
Judge Corsoni says, has the jury reached a verdict? Yes, we have, Your Honor. So the little sheriff dude, the little bailiff, walks over. The juror hands him the, the paper, takes it back. Just like you see on Law and Order. I'm like, what is going on in here? What the? <laughs> it shows you were watching um, Getting High, too. Yeah. <laughs> that was happening in real life. This is you. real. Yeah. Yes, this is real. So they go over there, and, and he hands Judge Corsoni. Judge Corsoni says, we, we, the jury, find the defendant, Andrew Joe Hager, uh, the second. And he paused. Not guilty. So I start crying. I look back. My son, you know, he's just like. Not guilty on everything. Not guilty across the board. And uh, I start hugging my legal aide, Nicole Baldridge. She's in California working now. And uh, um, uh, Matt Ryan was the other legal aide. He was the head. And, and just like, man, man, this is what my life has came to. Was that your wake-up call right 42 then? years old, and All I had to my name was how I was over here hustling some dude that that didn't know what was going, you know, that just take, take. Everybody came in contact with me, left off worse than they were when they met me. And I started to have to look at these things, man. My children, my grandchildren, my grandmother, my grandfather, just hurting everybody that came into my path. I had to look at these things, man, and in that in that time, like I wanted something else. Finally, I didn't want to do drugs no more. I didn't know how to stop, bro. I didn't want to keep going to jail, you know. Forty-two years old, man, and and cause somebody feels sorry for me, give me a honey bun. You know what I mean? The insanity. So was released. I did the program, um, 12-step program again, like, and started to believe. There was a pastor that came in the whole time I was there, Chris Norman. He's got a church called Reality Church. He came into the facility every Saturday. I couldn't stand this dude because I'm on my bunk feeling sorry for myself. And uh, he'd come in every day, hey, we're having church on the rec yard. Love to have you. I'm like, what? you know, because that jailhouse religion and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these guys would go out there, and I'd watch, and they'd come back in. They're giggling, happy. And I'm over here facing 10. What the pink? What's going on? I'm talking about the process before the trial, right? So he kept on every Saturday. So I finally go, and it felt better, right? I finally started putting some paper and looking at me, the root of the problem, and started to look. And I know that sounds, you know, whatever, but and I had to start looking at these things, and and, and again, they released me after the trial. So I go and I go to Wendy's. I fill an application. They don't call me back. I go to McDonald's. They don't call me back. I go to a temporary service and they, they put me on. So I've been there three days and, and they call me the third day. I'm doing good. And I'm starting to feel good about myself. They call me and say, hey, look, man, your background check's back. We can't use you no more. Right. But see, I, I, I gained some stuff right here. Right. I knew I didn't have to live that way if I didn't pick up dope. So what I did, huh, I say it was consequences of my past. It's nobody's fault but mine. Don't come back here. We can't use your background. I get it. I can't be mad at these people. So I kept on. You hear me? So I finally get a job a week later at uh, MD Electric over in Shelbyville. And I couldn't even read a tape measure. You hear me? Shut your mouth. Huh? They, can you bend pipe? Well, what would I do at it? It's already straight. <laughs> What's going on in here? 
so I, I'm there, man, and I just I kept doing what I what I was what I had to be told, man. Yeah, you needed some structure and direction. Needed structure, bro, and didn't have any, and uh, started doing that. And I, but I, you're trying, you know, like that's I'm the doing, biggest yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, and I didn't quit, bro. I kept doing what I, you know, what people showed me, and and again, I got the job. I was an MD electric for three and a half years. And they liked me so much. You know, I never had a DUI, but I had no insurance. Uh, over in Kentucky, that's worse than DUI. I had two of those, and you know what I mean? So they took out a special policy for me to drive a truck, because it's, you know, and things like that. But I kept doing this, and uh, I started, uh, I had a voice, and I didn't even know it. I mean, here's how I got on the whole social media, dude. You're going to trip. I went, Jordan made me a Facebook Cause I see all these young dudes. This when Facebook was not for old people. What what year is this? Like uh, twenty sixteen. All right, so you're free and clear. You're you're clean. And I'm clean. doing it. I'm working. I'm 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 living life on life terms, man. Feeling what I have to feel. And he made me the whole fa- uh, twenty fourteen. Made me the Facebook thing, but I went live in uh, twenty sixteen. I thought I didn't know the live button meant live, y'all. Let me want to. I told you I was a special ed. And I'm all up in Burlington Coke Factory live, remember me? I used to come here and steal this shit. I don't live like that today thanks to the program of Narcotics Anonymous, and I'm live. Well, a lot of people start watching it while I'm live, and I'm like, what is it, what is it, oh, Lord, I'm a <laughs> cop slow. But uh, I'm doing that, man, and uh, some people in the fellowship were mad, you're breaking anonymity. I said, well, it's mine and unanimity. Well, people know you're in, in A now. What if you get high? I said, well, you have on a Narcotics Anonymous shirt. What if you get high? Mm, don't put that devil on me. Mm. So, but, but then I had people start reaching out and was like, hey, man, would you keep doing these videos that really helped me? You know, and stuff. I'm like, what is wrong? I thought people were weird because I'm really like a lot of, you know what I mean? I had a guy out of Florida, Ben Rogatinsky call me i hung up on him the first time he said hey i'm this is ben roganton i'm starting this uh podcast this radio show uh recovery radio fm we'd love to fly you to florida now mind you i've never been on a plane in my life you know what i mean so i hung up the first time another buddy of mine called dude no this dude's real bro answer so he calls me back we want to fly you to florida and uh do this this and this and i'm like wow cool so I do it, but the whole thing was they fly me to Florida to go skydiving. You ever been skydiving? Never. I want to go skydiving. Yeah, well, the first time, you ever been? Nope. The first time, you got to go tandem. So I had this dude strapped to my back, and I'm sitting in his lap. It was like being back in Wait, prison. You it actually so went weird. skydiving? Yes. <laughs> so you go from prison to addict to, to all this To, to, to just these blessings, yeah, man. Yeah. And and I do this, and I hit the ground running. I said, Skittle Bop Bam, we came to get down. Recovery Radio FM, huh? I ain't playing around. Huh? Uh, higher than hell today with no minor mood altering substance. Let's get busy living. And they was like, they like that. What? The crowd ate it up. <laughs> they ate it up. Yeah. Huh? Andrew, if do you ever think about what would have happened if you were found guilty that day? Uh, no, that's a good question. I mean, you wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be here. No, I'm going to share with you. Uh, and again, man, I, it's such a pleasure, young man, to hear your testimony, see where you're at and how things have happened, and look at the growth in your life today and the blessing. Just meeting your father today was such a blessing, and I got to dig deep, you know, and ask him a lot of things. I know, and it, it, I, that's just what life is. You know, He's those a good are, man, yeah. Those are the blessings. It's not the material things, man. 
It's the precious priceless memories we make today. So I told you both of my granddaughters were adopted out, probably in Rayland, and I used to take their daddy shoplifting, right? And uh, they're back in my life today. Uh, I get to go pick them up, and they're they're the, the you know the the man the woman that adopted down he uh, the their father their adopted father he is a uh, big wig police officer. Well, I won't say what state, but big wig, right? Big wig. He allows me. He did for me what I couldn't do for my grandchildren. I get to pick them up. I actually just had them two days ago. Yeah, I, I'd be calling you. Say, hey, I can't talk. I'm taking hey, the grandkids. That, no, oh, you did the same yeah, day. Yeah. Yes, Your the priority, other day. I love that. Answer, when you yeah. called, and again, man, I'm I, this was this is real to me. I know it's normal to you, normal folks. I get that, but this was such a blessing because I got to take them to the Nike outlet, and they got to pick out what they wanted. You know. Probably wanted some Air Max something, white on white, shadow. I don't know what they was. Uh, and Raylan wanted some uh, something. I don't know, but forces or something. But anyway, they got to pick them up, and I got to pay for them, man. You know, these are – I'm talking about these kids, dude, that are blameless. They don't get to pick out who their parents are, right? And see and, – and I go back to me because I robbed my children of their childhood, and we don't see that, man, as addicts, as junkies we're out there using. We don't see the trauma that we cause in their life. Because don't think that your daughter or your son ain't wondering where their daddy at when they're in they're, they're at the school function. Don't ask for dads, a daddy-daughter dance, or just, uh, you know, something going on at school and all the other parents are there. Uh, but you ain't. And little Jimmy's looking at your son, at your daughter, where's your daddy? Where's your mama? We're causing trauma, y'all. How do you fix that, though? How do you right the wrongs of the past when it's so deep? It's so traumatic. You can. You can. Like I said, now I pick them up today, right? Yeah, but that's and, not your kids in general. That's your grandkids. Oh, let me tell you about my kids. Mm, don't get off me, devil. <laughs> ooh, Lord, don't give me shit, me, devil. We putting the heat hey, on you. put the yeah. heat on, son. You got to have some put re the accountability. Heat on. So, so I'm over at Justice's, right? I, we're, I go over. I was over there yesterday, right? They want to be around me. They want to see me today. Now, I'm not looking for that a boy because I'm doing what I should have been doing all my life. I just got caught up in some insanity, some upbringing that led me down a path that I thought there was no light at the end. And, and, and to, you know, put dope on it. Let me, y'all, look here. I told y'all about my son, Jordan. Check this out. Huh? He married a judge's daughter. Oh, Lord, we hit a lick, baby. We, uh, mm, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's look here, man. We have a great relationship. He called me last week. He got a brand new, well, not brand new. It's a 2017. It's brand new to me. Um, Silverado, one of them extended cabs. And he called his daddy. Daddy, can you run me this car lot? Pick my truck up. My new said, you know that's real. So we're breaking generational curses right here. And how do you right the wrongs? You can't go back in the past. You're right. Huh, but you can rebuild. Some things can be restored, right, through him. Huh? Well, you make up for lost time. Yeah, we. I got some precious, priceless memories today. See, because 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things have passed away, all things are made new. You know what I'm talking about? If I'm in him, he is in me. Huh? I'm brand new, baby. You can't tell me nothing. John 1, the word was God. The word is God. Oh, can I get an amen? <laughs> Don't shoot me down because I'm preaching real good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs>
But it's the original literature, and that's where I'm at today. I don't care. You know, I ain't trying to irritate nobody's demon. I'm just telling you what works for me because I'll get into this. Uh, Mark, second chapter, 1 through 10, it talks about that man. He was a parrot. You know, he, he could walk, talk, see, and he was he was just a hot mess. But his friends had faith in God and Jesus, and they cut the hole in the house and dropped him in, and God healed him. Hallelujah. And, you know, that's why my circle is important today. Yeah. I don't get caught up on the wide path. Huh? What about your other kids? Well, which ones? Well, you have three more, right? I got them. So you got you. Oh, we going, oh we're getting real now. Yeah. So 2017, there was 78,000 Americans died of overdose, and the number has grown, grown, right? This was 2017. My daughter at 27 years old was one of those. Oh, wow. Overdosed and died. The last two years of her life, I had um, tried to get her into treatment. I got her into treatment twice, and um, she left both times. The second time, I drove her an hour and a half away, and the whole time she said, I hate you, Andrew Hager. I hate you. And I can't, you know, like I said, I wasn't a father. And this is when you were sober, when you were yes, trying to get her yes, sober. Yes, I had a, yes, I was sober at the time. I've been sober, I'm, I'm going on 10 years now. My sobriety date, my clean date, depending on what fellowship you're in. I'm talking about no minor mood altering substance, but I don't care how you get clean, get clean. You know, what works for you works for you, but total absence is what works for me. Uh, it's February the 7th, 2014, and for that day, I'm truly grateful but yeah, man, 2017, man, I buried my daughter, bro. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, man, beautiful girl, and uh, but I mean, I wasn't, you know. Again, I was trying to to restore some things and doing what I'm supposed to. And she told me she hated me. She cussed me out. That was her last words. And it's funny because Friday I got to be at the same treatment center to share. When you when you were with her trying to help get her clean, did it give you the perspective? that not many users like yourself get to see because you got to see the under other end of the spectrum of all the people that loved and cared for you that tried to help you along the way. And now you're seeing what could have happened to you firsthanded if if you didn't go down that path. Right. Well, yeah, I had a lot of hope, man. You know, regardless, her cussing me, kicking and screaming, she went. She went. Like I said, it, no, it was two hours and a half away. And she went, cussed the whole time, kicking and screaming. I threatened her. See, like, uh, Kentucky's got a thing called Casey Loss where you can force a loved one into treatment, right? And I threatened her with that. Either they go to treatment or they go to jail. There's no criminal charges, but they would be held because, again, they don't know how to live, right? Um, so, yeah, man, I had, I had a whole lot of hope. Uh, I got a call from the treatment center probably 26 hours later that she had left and I knew, you know, what I suffer from, you know, it's, you know, it's to kill, you know, kill, steal, and destroy, cunning, baffling, powerful, it's insidious, the disease of addiction, the condition of addiction, whatever you want to call it, but I got the call a month later, and they told me to go to UK hospital in Lexington, and I'm standing over her dead body, bro, you know what I mean, and at 20, she's 27, and you're talking about pain, shame, and guilt, this thing was on me like a gorilla. And I'm sure it still lives with yeah, you. Yeah, it told me what a piece of shit I was for not being a father. You know, but I have to forgive me, man. That was a hard part for me, and it's tough, man. How do you forgive yourself after that? How man, you... day to day, like, you know, again, being in the original literature, um, not a, not a, you know, just to look at, you know, God God died on the cross, and just like, man, I, you know, it is what it is, and that's where I go. You know, I'm not trying to, 
lure anybody to believe what I believe, but if you want to go to heaven, get on. You better get in him right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Talk to me. But for real, man, it wasn't easy. Like I said, I this, 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 this condition was telling me to go use. You're a piece of shit, Andrew. Why didn't you do this? You couldn't help your daughter. Go use. What I do? You did the opposite. I told on it. I took away its power. If you conceal it, you can't heal it. I'm crying. It's not flying. I'm calling my buddy Teddy Milton. I'm calling my friend Alicia Howard. Uh, I'm calling, you know, I'm calling all these people, Jerry Hartley. I'm telling how I'm feeling, man. And us as males, that male pride usually would hold that. You know what I mean? You don't want to, you know what I'm saying? But I was completely honest, and I didn't pick up. But, you know, again, like, um, Seven years ago, you know, like I said, you know, when all that happened, even before that, I've been so blessed being in this process. I have a, I'm the uh, chair, I'm the, the CEO of uh, uh, Blameless Children. We're an organization out of Kentucky, of course, uh, uh, the, the website blamelessheart.org. We had our sixth annual Blameless Children event. And what that is, it's a therapeutic value of one blameless child helping another. Um, to see they're not alone because it is real. You're right. The poverty, the feeling not loved. You know, these, these kids, I had a kid up there sharing about clinging onto a casket of a mother that she didn't even know. And the only thing she had to remember about was pictures that she wasn't even in. This is real. Yeah. I mean, Andrew, something I'm curious about, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be curious about whether they've struggled with addiction or other issues in their lives. How does a man such as yourself that has gone through so much trauma, losing everything, loss of a child, everything you've been through since childhood, how do you maintain positivity? How do you maintain hope? How do you get up every day when, you know, honestly, quite frankly, the average person might have given up by now if they were in your shoes after suffering through so much and going through so much loss and grief? It's it's pretty simple, man. I'm so blessed. I'm sitting here with you. I'm right here in the now today. I, I'm just so blessed. You know, like I said, uh, I have a job. I work for Lake Cumberland Recovery. I get I get paid to do what, what I'm supposed to do anyway, help people, show them a way out, that hell has an exit, you know, be like today. I get up every day, man, because I, I'm not in a jail cell, bro. I'm not, I'm not there in fear this judge is going to give me 10, 20 years, man. I ain't worried about the police looking for me. Hear me? I've been on high speed chases, everything, dude. This isn't, I'm not living like I'm not waiting on that state track. I don't have to fill out a huh, commissary order. Hear me? I don't got to, yeah, I don't have to get canteen today. See, these are the little, these are the, these are the big things to me. I don't got to sit, sit on some stainless to take a dump today. Hear me? I don't got to live in here with all these dirty men. Hear me? Uh, you appreciate so much more after you ooh, go through it. Yeah, yes. I mean, like I just look at I I just look at everything. The fact that like people are like flying me out to go and share my story, you yes. know? Yes. Like just you take things for so much more than granted. Like I remember a year ago, I was working my ass off for a company that could replace me if I died the next yes. day, like right away. And I was working all these hours and overtime and killing myself and not prioritizing friends or family. And like, I'm just so like grateful and blessed right now to be able to not only do this, which I'm super passionate about and I got my passion back after not having it for so long and going through all the trauma I went through and everything, but just to have free time. Like I value that. Like yeah. I will, like I'll be hanging out 
with people that are close to me now. And I, you know, like I'll put my phones away uh, on the side and they're like, you know, you, you could keep your phone around me. And I'm like, no, I just want, like, I want to be in the moment. Like yeah. I, I'm enjoying this. Like I couldn't do this a year ago. And, and I'm grateful and I'm lucky that I was given a platform and worked towards having a platform to be able to do this. Just like you yourself yeah. have been able to create a career out of what you're doing and people believe in us on social media and they help propel that. But it just, it means so much to be able to have that time, to be able to dedicate that time to other people and, and to share that time, you know, uh, being able to be there, you know, for my dad who's getting older, mm. spending time with him at Whole Foods or wherever I was working, wherever I could be working now, or if I was in prison right now, I wouldn't have that time. Yeah. So it just, it puts everything into perspective. I'm sure someone like you who lost so much time to addiction can understand it on yeah, that level no, too. No, I'm with you. You know, again, like, Look what you're doing, man. I got to hear you speak over in Pensacola. It, it was uplifting. It was encouraging. It was beautiful. And, you know, and of course, God is using you. Like, you know, just seeing your dad today, you know, we talked when you tore up the boat dock when you was a young man. He had to pay $1,000. <laughs> uh, when you, you know, when the golf cart and you paid it, you go out and terrorized and he had to pay that money. You know what I mean? You remember? Huh? You remember uh, all this? He should have told the uh, office, Andrew, but it's public record. It's, yeah, I mean, and you were, and this was, your, you know, before the big Fed charge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you out there buck I mean, wild. Don't want, huh? What? Andrew, every single thing in my life literally happened for a reason. Like, I think yeah. about it every day. The thing, and this is why I love Jimmy so much, our good dear friend, Jimmy Jim, McGill, Jim, Jimbo. Because he's all about taking our pain and turning it into our purpose. Yes. And if I had never went to prison, like even if I got probation or house arrest, I wouldn't have the same outcome. Amen. If I had never stepped foot in a federal prison, I would not have what I have now. I would not be on the path to where I'm heading. And we all know where it's going. We can see where yeah. it's going. And it's only a matter of time before I get there. And that's not out of like cockiness or anything like that. Just like it's that's the truth. Like we're building something great that's so beyond me. Yes. I've been able to create my purpose and find my purpose just like you have. And, and that carries someone way more than anything else could ever. And it, it so does, you know, because it's not about stature. It's not about prestige. It's about, you know, I'm going to tell you what I've seen and I'm going to tell you what I got. What I've seen, that man, your father, is one proud man today. Proud. That's, that's, dude, that's so beautiful. And I'm being real. I, I don't want to get emotional and start yeah, crying. Yeah, cry, Jimmy. But it, it's real, though, bro. That man is so proud of his son today. Yeah. And you put him through hell. You know? Mm. You did. Those were your choices. I know. But look at you today. And that's, see, that's the hope, bro. That's the whole thing. And people are looking for hope, man. Everybody's looking for hope. You got these 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 mothers or their kids are out here strung out or their kids are in pro in, in prison for some dumb shit and they they hear your testimony they hear my testimony they hear Jimmy's they hear my uh, Michael late Cumberland recovery and it's like that's hope man people are looking for hope you know you know what I'm saying and I think that's why this resonates with so many people because you hear a story like yours you hear a story like mine it gives people hope yes you don't have to be the person that you once were i mean like what rogan says you know your past is not you anymore mm, and for so long people in the world they hear one bad so like it's like classic high school you know the girl that sleeps around they call a whore or slut yeah. or whatever that's not her that's her past decisions but that's not her as a person well, we're seeking love, and, and again, you know, I didn't know how I couldn't get love, and I was hurt, and I put dope on it, and it grabbed me, which I, you know, again, that's that's basically what went down. 
Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but you're right. It, it's it, we're looking for hope. I'm just blessed, man. I get to you know I have a man so much things. I was asked a friend of mine, Jerry Hartley, and uh, she just passed away about three months ago, and she played a big part in this before me. Well, to do on the council, uh, huge, huge, you know, in the community, pillar of the community with the mayor and everything, and she helped me to to find my voice in, in a way to not feel less than because I've always felt less than because, again, back to the little boy issues, being in special ed. And she always told me nobody's above you, nobody's below you. And, um, you know, again, she cancer got, you know, she passed away of cancer. And, again, her family, and there was, dude, I'm serious. This They couldn't even have it at a funeral home because there were so many people there. They had to have it at the church. Yeah. And her family asked me to speak, and it was like, wow. And I wanted to honor her, and, you know, so I prayed. And, uh, again, you know, I don't know, man, where I was going with that. I, I just know that we have a voice today, and, and, you know, for real, our past doesn't define us, right? It's where we're going today and what we bring to the table and how we lift others up that, that you know, that are stuck. Absolutely. Now, another thing I want to touch on is you have a son that's in prison now currently, right? Yes, yep. How does that affect you? How do you instill the values that you became into him? And, and do you see like a younger, uh, young self clearly? Oh, definitely, yeah, clearly, you know, clearly do. Uh, he, you know, the thing is I can put money for his, you know, for his canteen, uh, that's one thing. Uh, I can take his phone calls and be positive today, um, you know, and just, you know, when he calls, I, I'll be as positive as possible. Like, look, dude, you know, this is of your own doing. Because he was one of the ones that would always blame me. You've never been a father, and he tried to make me feel guilty. And like you said, how did you forgive yourself? Well, I had to forgive myself. If I didn't forgive myself, there's no reason to be here. No. Right? Well, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Like I said, a lot of these relationships should be restored. And he tried to hit me with that a couple months ago because he was in it, you know, like, you know, you never was a dad. Well, okay. Well, check this out. You know, he called from prison and tell me, I said, well, check this out. You ain't going to hold me hostage. I'm not going to do this time with you. The reason why you're locked up, you're an adult now, because you committed the crime. You know what I mean? And he chilled out and looked at it. I get it. I said, I get you're in there and you're caught up right now and you're feeling some kind of way and you're wanting to vent. But, you know, I'm out here doing it. You know, I'm out here living you know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, it's a lot. Like, he calls pretty often sometimes, and I have to, like, look, dude, I'm working. You know what I mean? He uh, he signed for uh, 10. He shot my brother, uh, didn't kill him, and uh, which was his uncle. He didn't kill him out there on meth. And, you know, he's been gone almost six years now. He got a, you know, in, in hot 10 years of PFO1. He got he got light for it, you know. They had, they came at him with twenty four, and and again he took the plea without going to court. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, are you thinking about how you're going to be there for him when he gets out? I'm thinking that he's got to grow up. That, that tough love too, you know. But is it that simple? Because it, it, people, it, you know, you well, needed that help too. Well, what help? I, I got to help of being told about myself and finally owning it. Yeah. That's the help I got. I had you got to put work in. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of where I'm at. You know, uh, I, it was all God for me. Yeah, and you're right. People would lift me up. 
You know what I mean? It wasn't they, not financially, but lift me up, encourage me. And sometimes that's all you. And need that's all I needed because I didn't know what that felt like. That a boy, right? Glory be to God. I didn't know what that felt like. Man, you're doing all right. You're doing good. Yeah. You know, and I have been blessed. We do this thing, like I said, we have this event every year with these kids. It's amazing. And again, being with you know, I mean, I got to come to New York with with, with my boss today. Who does that? You know, old two dollar crackhead needle junkie, uh, old me, not me now, but. I don't know, man. Just so much good things are coming out of this, and uh, being able to be light today, and that's my job, man. I get to I get to be there for people. It could be a lot. I can't forget to fill my cup up. Yeah. You know, I had a guy call into the thing I do on Facebook, and uh, this was uh, last week, and said he wanted to kill himself. And I was, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? But I can remember. I said, man, I know what it's like to feel worthless. I know what it's like to feel that nobody loves you, that you have nothing to offer, but that's a lie. And he stayed on the air with me for 45 minutes. By the time we were done, he's giggling and laughing. That's great. Checked on him the next day. You know what I mean? And that's our job, you know, as creators. That, yeah. when you're given platforms like this because and, the universe, God, whatever you believe in, can take that away too if you're not oh, using come that. On. You know? Or, you know, like I said, we got to know the difference of who's feeding our ego and our spirit because people want something from you now. Yeah. I'm seeing um, that. I, yeah. It's a feeling. It's the same feeling like when <laughs> I was yeah. running the nightclub yes. and everyone's coming out of the woodwork because they want to meet the artists and stuff. Now it's different and it's it's only going to get worse or better, whichever way you look at it, as I continue to grow. And you're because, staying vigilant. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very close of who I let into my circle. You know, Teach. I mean, I'm, I'm open to hearing things from right. different people because you need perspective and you need opportunity, but I'm not the same kid that i was 10 years right. ago with the same like platform not easy to manipulate today. yeah it, it's a lot different and it's a lot to think about and as i get older and more mature and stuff it's going to be interesting to see like i'm excited to see 10 years i'm not rushing anything right but right right i want to you know 10 years ago because i'm young so yeah, you're a young kid when i'm 38 i want to look back and and like wow and i just look back in the last six months because i've come so far right yeah. and like i started this not knowing what the direction is and now i i'm good like, if this ended tomorrow, the show, like, I'd be okay. Okay. Because we did something. Yes. You know, and, and people didn't believe in it at first, and we created something that's now, you know, that that's powerful. It is. It's very powerful. I mean, and it is. And you got your team. These guys have been with you, believed in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're going to have that evil committee, I like to call it. <laughs> well, they're going to come out of woodwork. Everybody wants something. But again, that's why I stay busy about who's feeding my ego and my spirit and knowing the difference, you know, in this process. Uh, it's it's just, again, dude, how, I mean, this, like you said it, bro, we are people asking us to come speak, a wretch like me. Hear me? Mm -hmm. And again, it's all Hallelujah. about the hope. How, hey, man, can I get a praise God out there? Hallelujah, one time. Andrew, because there's a lot of kids that grew up the way you do in this world exactly. that don't have voices. They come from broken homes. They're struggling with addiction or alcoholism or whatever. You know, if you could sit down with one of those little boys in a room alone, how do you get him or what advice would you give him so that he doesn't fall down the same path you did and ruin those, you know, 20 or 30 years of his life? Um, probably, probably none. And just try to get and listen. Hey, what's going on? Just be in here to show that I care and build trust. You know, because sometimes that's it. We bottle stuff up and we hide it. And we keep it buried, and then it explodes, and there we are. 
probably just trying to listen to the kid. Um, Sunday, uh, we gave away six, uh, 600 pair of uh, these Nike, I forget what they're called, but they were they were from uh, baby sizes, all I know, up until third, uh, second, third, first, second, third grade, up until a size 3U. Uh, we got to do that through the Blameless Children. And, of course, um, through Toy Berg, these are our sponsors, like Criminal Recovery. We got to do this, dude. You And, and I watched it. It was kind of bittersweet. Yeah. Because, like you said, you said it's early poverty and seeing these kids. So I get it, man. And, and I was just a crazy bub. How you doing? What's more crazy you going? And that means something, see? That means something. These little boys, these little kids, these little girls. One little girl, she's about four. She's showing her shoes out. You know, she's brand new. Yeah. But, again, like I said, it, it, it was a beautiful thing, but it was really sad, too. Like, okay, what can we do? What can we do? Okay, they got new shoes to start school now, okay? Yeah. But what can we really do? And it's just continue to encourage and let them know, hey, you know? Yeah. And that's and, and I know God has blessed me with that. I have, a, uh, you know, blessed me with to be able to get the pom-poms out and, and you know, be inspiring people because I know, bro, what it's like to feel worthless, for real, like I said, to feel like nobody loves you, man. You know what I mean? I remember, man, this is really, and I remember so many times, man, using against my will, praying not to use, and I would use anyway, and be in the state of mind where if I had a gun, I'd blew my brains out. But the truth of the matter, if I had a pistol, I would have pawned it to get more dope. I'm talking about how insidious the condition of addiction is and being caught up, and I'm going on 10 years free. Boy, I'm talking about freedom. See, I got all this relief in this process. There was so many times I got relief. Huh? But relief is temporary. Now I have freedom today. And I want to share that with people and know there's a way out. They don't got to stay stuck in poverty. They don't got to st stay stuck in these generational curses. They don't got to stay stuck, man. They don't got to stay stuck. You are somebody. I don't care about your education. I don't care about, you know, your cars, your trucks. I want you to find this freedom that I have to prosper, to be happy. Huh, and not put it in people, places, and things. Oh, I got the new Jordans. Well, that's temporary. Oh, I got the Cadillac. Well, that's temporary. That will wear off. Huh, the newness wears off. Now, where you at? I want you to find this perfect peace in him, Isaiah 9, 6. I'm trying to tell you the Prince of Peace will supply you with that power. Don't shoot me down because I'm preaching real good. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, Andrew, <laughs> thank you so much for coming out here today, boy. man. I love you too, man. You've been a great. I'm glad to talk to you today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for flying I'm out honored, here. I'm honored, man. I love you, boy. I'm proud of you. And I'll see you a couple weeks in yeah, Arkansas yeah. with our good friend, Jimmy. Jimbo. <laughs> And uh, we're serving on the board together, National yes. uh, Association Rosetta, Professional. Rosetta, Rosetta. Yeah, we got to get her on the show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I yeah. love you, man. I love you too, I'm, man. I'm very, like I said. You, you know, better keep calling me once a week, Andrew. I will, I, I will. To our calls. I, I'm excited. For, I'm really excited to see, you know, where God takes you in this. I know that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. That's where I'm at. That's what works for me, so let me be where I'm at. And uh, I I'm really am. You know, meeting your dad today and— and I'll shut up. I'm not trying to hold you <laughs> hostage, but that, that that's what's beautiful to me. That that really is, man. I'll be honest. That's that's the real blessings of this thing. And again, you know, just where you're at. And this man is so proud of his son today. It's amazing. Thank you for He's letting me man. share. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Yeah, here. and we'll have your uh, socials put in on the bio. Anyone wants to connect with you, and uh, 
we'll get you the videos and the photos. All right. Well, what are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with Bryce, you? Bryce, what up? I got to meet Bryce's mama. Oh, Shut man. your mouth. You can't tell me nothing.